I think the five seconds at the end, sorry, is better. So we'll just okay. We can do that at the end. All right, everyone, welcome back to our podcast. We're so happy to do the second part of our two-part episode on pornography and how we can support those who struggle with it and ways to reach out to our kids. In fact, today, after um, talking last time, we realized there's two questions we want to focus on today. Um, the first one is, well, not questions, I guess topics. What are what ways can a parent create a space where they can find out if this is an issue for your child? And then the second question or topic we're going to look at today is why is it good to have a third party involved to help someone work on this issue? And again, today we have our, our local expert, Shauna Watson, who's going to talk us through some of this. So Shauna, if you want to start with that first one, and um, then we'll just move on to the second one after you feel like we've got enough on that. Okay, yeah, so ways a parent can find out if it's a problem. So there are signs that you can look for, right? We can just start with that. So looking for signs um, after dealing with multiple family members and then watching, I kind of developed a radar, I feel like, between obviously after working with clients and then I could start to see shifts um, and signs and I wouldn't in, in my kids friends or in certain people and I wouldn't know for sure that it was necessarily pornography but there's just some signs that can kind of help you know so first would be changes in mood changes in kind of in behavior now unfortunately they're teenagers so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of things that could influence that um, but I would say you just start to feel like something's off Right, I've had so many mothers, especially, say that like I just felt like something was off. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't couldn't really put my finger on it. In hindsight, it was like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that sooner, or how did I not put it together so sooner? So, how would you describe the the normal mood changes? Yeah. So, um, loss in interest. Right. Like I had one client. He he was he was nineteen at the time I was talking to him, and he had struggled since middle school. And we were just having a conversation and he was describing how it completely, he'd stopped riding his dirt bike. He stopped um, really wanting to hang out with friends. Uh -huh. A lot more alone time. So they start to isolate a lot more. Uh, I know one kid that he got super, like he was always going to the pantry in the fridge to eat with almost this nervous energy and started gaining weight, right? Mm -hmm. Like trying to... Um, to, to satisfy his emotions and hang on. Well, yeah, food's a, food has that effect where it can make us feel good. And if you don't feel good about something else you're doing, you may be turning to food on a consistent basis to try and make that feelings of, I've seen, I've seen that guilt, shame, all that stuff hurts and it hurts consistently. So there's ways to try and drug it. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the pornography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, that's interesting. And depending on the age, it's going to be a little different too, right? So in hindsight, I remember times I would pick up my son's phone. At the time, I'm thinking maybe eighth grade. Eighth grade. And he would get super nervous. Like I remember one time in church, I would pick up his phone and he started to get like fidgety almost. Yeah. Right? And I was like, what's his deal? And I'm like looking and I happened to look through because I wanted to check a few things. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time in terms of like yeah. different ways you could check. Unfortunately, tech has gotten better at helping them hide it. So it's not as easy now to just, you can't like just go yeah. to a history. They're, they're really good at hiding it. So that's not even the um, easiest way to find it. But so starting to notice 
his body language or little subtle things he does when you pick up his phone or or if you walk up and approach him when he's on his phone does he hurry and, and i'm saying he this could be he or she yeah. right um do they turn it, the phone away really quickly or quickly get off what they're doing um, but I would say the biggest things is just noticing their demeanor, noticing their light, noticing because it becomes they become more isolated. They want to spend more time alone, more time on a screen, um, uh, and they just they just withdraw from life because that need to see the images takes over everything because that chemical surge that's happening in the brain is so powerful and that dulls everything else. Yes. So once a parent starts to see some of this, what's the next step? Well, uh, one other thing I just thought of yeah. before we forget, start paying attention and noticing what are they laughing at? What do they find funny? Because they will start to get desensitized a little bit. Mm. What are they talking about? Are you seeing behaviors that kind of aren't necessarily really them, right? Like they might, uh, I'm trying to think of an example um, off the top of my head. Oh, here's another one. Um, they're really more aggressive. So mm -hmm. what, everything that's happening in the brain and then added, you add the shame with it too for some of them, they become more aggressive. So you might say something and their reaction completely doesn't match. Oh my gosh, what was that about? Like he just freaked out you know, super aggressive, more um, aggression towards their siblings. Mm. Um, you'll just notice notice that. Now that all, all of those things could also be, hey, they're struggling at school. Yeah. They're, they're struggling with something, you know. Friend group. Uh -huh, Dating, sports, they're not starting on the team they're on, getting enough playing time, all that. Can, all kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. And so when you see those signs, don't automatically assume pornography, yeah. right? But it's just a, uh, just a radar to know that something's off. Um, you know what that makes me think of then? Because this is where I get asked questions all the time. This In that moment where your kid is struggling and you feel worried, this is where everybody goes sideways and messes everything up everything so what's going through my mind right now is i'm thinking of my own kids when that's good my oldest is only 14 but when that is going to start to happen more in my home what i hope it looks like is this hey sweetie or son whatever um you're irritated you're sad you're numb whatever i'm noticing that um how comfortable are you in telling me what do you think the reason for that is do you know why you feel those ways? And if you do, do you feel like you can tell me or is it something that's embarrassing or hard? Does that make sense? Versus, because if we do that, now you're setting the stage for them to at least have the chance. It does two things. When you acknowledge their mood changes, you don't have to make accusations why it's happening. You can just validate that it's happening and acknowledge that it's happening. Hey, son, you, uh, you responded really harsh right there. Okay. It's not an accusation. That's a straight up, no, this is just what happened. I don't know why it's happening, but that's what happened. And this is important because the accountability is now where it belongs. It's on the kid. Yes. Does that make sense? The moment you make an accusation of why they're doing those things, now you are a, you're like a judge and they're on trial. And so they're going to defend themselves. And now you have to prove that your theory is right. And now the accountability is on you as not a judge, as the lawyer trying to prove that it's wrong. But if you just point out what you're experiencing and seeing, but not make any accusations about why it's happening, then you're going to be a lot better off as a parent. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so good. Yeah. Even if you notice your kid's overeating, 
right? Yeah. Same yeah. same thing. Right? Hey, your diet's changed. You're eating more. Uh, you know, I'm just observing it. How do you feel about it? Why do you think it's happening? You know, things like that, and giving them the space to answer good questions versus. And you have to, and here's the key, we've talked about this before. When you do this, it's going to be super hard in these moments. You have to be curious, not accusatory. That's the word that keeps going through my head. Because <laughs> I was sitting at a, a tennis match yesterday talking with a friend of mine. And she's like, that's the second time you've used that word um, over the last couple of weeks. Curious? That it stood out to her. And she's like, wait a second, what is that? And she's like, I started to explore that last night. Mm-hmm. Her son was talking to her about possibly, about some things about in his future and she's like, I kept trying to say, okay, curious, curious, tell yeah. me more. And she's like, I just kept in that space. Mm-hmm. And she's like, then he just kept talking to me. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I said, I balance. Sometimes I'm there and sometimes it's just yeah. a rough day and I can't swing it. So it's not about perfection, but continually going to that that curious place, which, are you going to say something? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which leads me into, I, this. Is, I'm excited to be talking to parents um, right now in this moment of, cause so many times I've sat across from a kid, um, a girl, a young man, and I wish so bad I could just put my arm around their parent and let them know like, Hey, this is what you could do to help. Or this is how, you, you know, just to get to see the perspective of the kid and how, because sometimes the parent doesn't understand either how they're hurting and making things harder or how they just flat out don't don't know, yeah. right? So because the kid's like, there's no way I can tell my parent. There's no way. And so... So that's the question we need to ask the parents right now. What about your approach makes it impossible for your kid to feel safe to tell you really hard things? Well, and the other thing is, do you want to know? I think some parents don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. because it hurts too much. Mm-hmm. But I think most do and most want to help. Right. Yeah, usually most want both. They want to know and then they want it fixed. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what they want. So, yeah, and this is the tip I would give is it's the same tip we give guys who are trying to get girls to like them. Care about them but don't care if they like you back. When it comes to your kid, be willing to know without having to need it fixed right now. Because the kid will feel that energy if you can't approach it that way. If you can't be with them in it and understand with them what's going on, they're going to feel it, and they're not going to tell you. They're not going to come to you. Then, And then with this particular topic, this isn't one kids go talk to with other people about either. Right. This is one they keep in the seek, in dark, in secret, and you know, they stay in their shame because not many kids are like, hey, you know, talking to their friends, hey, I struggle with porn. <laughs> you know, how about you? That's not something they talk about. So of all the... Of all the places as a parent, you want to be a safe place for a kid to go to discuss something. This is one of those things where, honestly, you need to learn how to pull this off so that they can come to you. Yeah, and I will say this. I was a very, op- I am still, obviously, a very open parent. And even then, yep. my kids didn't tell me. That's right. right? Like, and, and watching the different experience of how parents found out about their kids nine times out of ten your kid will not be telling you. Mm-hmm. I don't care how open you are, mm-hmm. right? Some might, but for the most part, most do not. Yeah. Um, and just because there's too much, too much there. And, par- and especially if they're in middle school or high school, part of them is they don't want to let go of it fully yet. 
right? Like there's part of them that yeah. still, so they're, they're, they're split. I like this, this works, it helps me feel better. And then also I know I'm miserable and I want help, but they're, they're stuck in that. So um, just knowing that in, I've even had experiences too where you go and you ask them and they will lie to you. I am not a pessimist. I see the good in people and I believe people are inherently good. But I also know they lie when it comes to this. Especially when they feel shame. Mm -hmm. Well, that might lead into the next thing. And this might be the best way for you to find out for real is getting a third party person involved. Because that, when that's done well, that's usually when parents are able to be brought into the situation more effectively. Right? When, you've, when your kid has a chance to spend some time with a coach or a therapist or somebody that they're willing to talk to about this, then the doors can open up between the kid and the parent as well. Because if it's done right, a coach or a therapist can help a parent know how to be better with this. this and how often, did, by the way, how often did you get a chance to talk to parents? That's what I was just sitting here thinking about too. Not as often as I would like. Because I get it a lot, but I wonder if that's just because I create it and make it a part of it right up mm -hmm. front or what? I don't know. But what are your thoughts around that? Because my experience, when I get to do that, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when you got the kid and the parent being able to have some discussion and have a mediator sometimes between it, it blows the doors open on possibilities. Because as a coach, I can say things to the parent where it's like, hey, and open their eyes up to are you willing to see where your kid is at? And if not, just so you know, they're never going to talk to you. And that coming from me, uh, it's helpful, right? Like they're willing, they're more willing to look at it. Oh, it's so valuable to have, to have a third party person is so valuable in so many ways. So to answer your question, as I was sitting here thinking, the majority of my clients were college age young mm. men, right? So they're away from home, probably. And some of them, even the ones that are home, they're like, no way. Yeah. I can't tell them. And these are, I know some of their parents, and they are incredible parents that yeah. would want to support their kid, but they won't. They refuse to tell them for a number of reasons. It's one of the biggest thing I heard. It's just one more thing, right? One more thing that I've got to, I'm going to add on their plate. They see how stressed they are with work, with business, maybe other siblings that are having problems. I heard that one a lot. Like, I don't want to be one more kid that has another problem. And mm. and so they they have decided for themselves, my parents aren't going to be able to handle my stuff too, right? Yeah. So that's why I always go back to, as a parent, um, you know, when your kid shares stuff with you, what it's bringing up for you. Um, but there was something else you said about um, going back to, uh, you can edit this. Um, there's something you were saying. Well, you know what's coming to my mind right now? I actually just sat down with my two oldest the other day, and they're online quite a bit with school and other things. And we had an interesting conversation. I just said, hey, how often do you guys see porn? And these are two, this is a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old girl. And they both kind of were quiet for a minute. And then I said, wait, no, really, how, how often do you see porn? Like, we all see it. If we're online, we're going to see things. And my 12-year-old my was like, well, I've never seen it. And I'm like, girl, you're online all the time. You can't be telling me you're not see, you haven't seen any porn. And she goes, well, I did see it one time. And I was like, all right, is that it? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and my other one's like, yeah, I've seen it a few times. And it's like, all right, well, 
just so you guys know. And then it was, I tried as hard as I could just be like, hey, listen, you're going to come across it. And I told him in that conversation too, I said, hey, it's going to be really interesting to look at too. You're both, you know, you're probably going to look at it. It can be gross sometimes, then it's intriguing. And and then we just said, hey, if you want to see it, just so you know, it doesn't make you a bad person, but what it will do is really affect future relationships you want to have. So just remember that when you come across it. If you want to have a really good, healthy relationship when you're older, that can really hurt that and make it hard to have that. So the desire to look at it's not bad and, you know, that doesn't make you a horrible person, but that's one of the big things. And then if you do look at it and you try to hide it from us for a while, just know, just come and talk to us. We're not going to wig out. But we made it, Here's the, I think here's the point. I tried really hard to make it clear that they sh- them not looking at it wasn't so they didn't get in trouble with us. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you, if you're the big bad consequence, like, oh, you're disappointing me or, oh, that's that fear-based like, consequences that's like the worst thing you can do and that's what i want to be real clear is like hey we're here to help you but listen the consequences of that that's in your life not ours like we hope to heck you don't want anything to do with it but you'll be the one who's messing up your relationships it doesn't affect me and your mom's relationship it's it's yours so you need to own that and know that but and we'll be there and I think that's one of the reasons kids don't go to their parents because the parent makes like the worst thing. The worst thing about their kid looking at porn is it hurts them. Exactly. And yes. that's why a kid doesn't want to go talk to the parent because the parent's the one that's suffering the most, you know, in the kid's mind. And it makes sense because parents make it sound that way. And you can't do that. And that's like what you were saying. Where are you at with it? Where you got you to gotta be aware of where you're at with this to be able to approach your kids in a healthy way. Yeah, because I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one client and his mom right now, you know, and he's college age, incredible kid, young man, and it was he could not talk to her about it. He she found out about it, right? She did go to look. Hey, we got to fix it right now, but she she was aware of it, but she could not be, and that's okay. You do not have to be able to be their main support person. You don't have to. For some parents, that's yeah. just they can't. They don't want to. It's way too triggering for them. Um, and, and uh, that was the situation here, right? She, um, it would poke on, I'm not good enough. I messed up. This is my fault, right? We talked a little bit about that last week, so we won't really go into that. But yeah. um, uh, that's why I love what you're talking about doing with your, your conversations with your kids because just like the books we referenced last week, okay, I can see he can talk about all the things, not just pornography, right? He can talk about oral sex. He can talk about safety and dates he can talk about it's without the luxury tone it's like that curious what do you think and discussing and oh there's no topic that he's gonna shy away from all right because they're constantly taking our temperature on that they're constantly testing to see uh you know did we talk about the salsa analogy have i talked about that okay so kids are constantly giving you salsa they're going to give you the mild first, right? They might come in the form of saying this is what they did or a lot of times it'll be like, hey, my friend did this. And they're going to give you a mild to version of salsa to see how you react. Oh, she could handle the mild. I wonder if she can handle the medium. They're going to give me some medium temperature salsa. My friends did this and this. And if you aren't careful, because I've done this, right? You will, oh my gosh. Like, and you think this is my chance to remind them of how... 
how damaging this is for this kid of this friend of theirs. This is like, you know, all those things. I'll show them now the fear of God so they don't do it, (laughs) not realizing that it's them talking about their own stuff sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. But either way, they're testing, right? Like how much can she handle? How much can he, before like she's going to go into lecture mode or whatever. And And by the way, when they do that, you know what the best thing you can do is, oh, that's interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah, so good. Right? Put it back on the kid. Hey, mom, what do you think of this? Well, I have my own thoughts, but what do you think, son? Mm-hmm. That's that is the. <laughs> by the way, that that puts that puts full grown adults in their place when they're off. Is asking questions that put the accountability back where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. So just to reiterate, I guess that. I have had the range of parents that can be totally a safe space. Yep, you can come tell me. You have an urge to go to, to masturbate? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm your person. Come talk to me and we'll talk about basketball. We'll go for a walk. We'll go. I've, I've had parents that can do that and I've had it completely other extreme where they don't even know. Or I've had parents that say, I know, but this is too triggering for me. Yeah. And they recognize that. So they can do... Their role is whatever they feel comfortable with. I, I can follow up in this way or I can start to develop a relationship in this way. But I need the coach or whoever to be the main yeah. person. Let's reach out to your your third party person that we put in place. Yes, which I will say. for So D- Fight the New Drug, I know I talked about them last time, but they have a three-part docuseries. Three 30-minute uh, segments because they're non-religious, non-political, non, non-something. I can never remember the third one. Mm-hmm. Um they do such an incredible job of teaching um, about pornography because this is my favorite thing to say. Hey, you can look at pornography, right? You or if it's you can vape, you can do this. It's totally up to you. I just want you to be informed so you know. Because I will always and forever remember the one of the first kids I ever talked to that was so angry that pornography had stolen so much from his life. Nobody told me. I had no idea. And he was in the generation where middle schoolers getting smartphones, they were the first ones, right? So nobody did know. And the science is just catching up. But what parents need to understand is how aggressively their kids are being sought after. The message that is very much being taught is pornography. I think I even saw um, a thing yesterday for there's several university courses Look in our state that it's pornography three thousand. Yeah, I actually right? heard that. I saw that yesterday too. It's a there's a pornography class. It's Amer- looking yeah. at hardcore porn yeah. as American as apple pie, right? Yeah. That's like the first phrase of the of the course description. And then I saw two videos that are geared towards children as to why hey pornography is normal. It's actually a healthy part of sexuality. This is part. That is the messages they are being sent over and over again and so what happens is if you wait um and i've seen this happen with clients where they 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 aren't in that shame place with pornography they're like why there's nothing wrong this is you know they their brain's been rewired to that point um so i guess it's just always i know it's another plug for those books i don't care if it's those books but it's that for me just gets my brain going hey we're gonna have a conversation about this and this it doesn't have to be heavy keeping it fun sometimes it's laughter sometimes it's you know but oh yeah I really can talk to mom and dad about any topic and but you have to be the one to lead there you have to go there first because most times they're not going to yeah and when you go there make sure you are never going to be a big enough reason for a kid to not look at pornography yep 
they have to have their own natural consequence understanding of the reasons why. And it's not that your kid doesn't love you if they're not taking in your fear. <laughs> that makes sense? Because your love is what creates your fear, but their love for you, it doesn't have the same effect. And that's the mistake I see over and over and over. And that's one even with myself. I had something the other day where I'm a man, my kids are girls, they're smaller. Their whole lives I could just physically scare them to do anything. Clean, do the dishes, get in the bathtub, whatever. And I'm so much more getting the, the clarity around that is not, that doesn't work. And I can feel, they're, my oldest two are teenagers now, they're not, they know I'm not going to hurt them. And pretty soon the fear of dad getting mad, it wears off. It's even funny, I'll raise my voice and neighbor kids just stop in their tracks. And my kids just completely ignore me and keep doing whatever they're doing. It has zero impact on them because fear doesn't work. It does not change people. They just learn to be away from it. And so, like, if I'm not around, love, here's the, here's the thing. Love goes everywhere. Fear's just wherever it's at. Does that make sense? I use the analogy all the time of I used to teach, and I'd ask girls, high school age girls, hey, what do you want your dads to do? What could they do that would make you talk to them about anything? And you know what their number one answer was all the time? Be nice to the boy I like. Mm. That was number one. And I, I actually experienced that growing up. The, the girl that I dated in high school, her dad was, he treated me like a son. That went with me everywhere we went. If it was just me and her by ourselves, his love was still with me. If he would have just been mean and stuff, I wouldn't have given a, I wouldn't have cared if he wasn't around. It required him to be there for fear to work. Love goes everywhere, right? And that's that's what your kid, you're not going to scare your kid into not doing things they're not supposed to. Yes. It's like the worst yes. tactic, and yet it's the most used tactic. And remembering it takes time because there's always this initial like, oh, I've seen so many times when a kid and, you know, a parent is in there and they're like, I remember one kid, <laughs> it was him and his mom in there for the first time and at the meeting with me and he just got it off of his chest, right? Even though she had found out, yeah. um, which I will say, if you are a believer, then pray, say, show me if this is a problem in my son or my daughter's life, let it manifest itself. Let it come out. Let me see it. Let me be able to know if, and, and, um, cause he will help you see that. Right. But I will never forget, you know. He literally like flopped back on the couch after he kind of just got everything out in the open and he was like, oh my gosh, I'm like 30 pounds lighter. And he was this funny kid that he was, he would always just kind of say what he was thinking. And, um, but uh, so there's that initial, oh my gosh, there's some hope. There's, it feels so good in their system, in the parent system. You're connecting with your kid. You're like, it's a really vulnerable, raw real where everything else is stripped down right like okay yeah. this is where we're at this, and 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 then the road to progress and to healing is long and when that kid messes up and messes up and messes up as a parent you start to feel like a little bit of that despair yourself a little bit of that like mm -hmm. oh no and it kind of pokes on you like oh am i not do, doing it right am i it just takes time and so just remembering that and lots of failures, that's how we, it's just like learning to ride a bike. So I just, I guess. As you I, say that, you know, it comes to my mind is consistency and clear boundaries. 
not consequences. Right, right. And we talked about that. Yes, a little bit clear last boundaries time. Yeah. are way more effective than consequences. Because mm-hmm. you know what clear boundaries do? They let natural consequences take their course. That's why they're so powerful. Yeah. Fear based consequences are garbage. I can't say it enough, and yet I see it every single day. Mm. Well, we hope uh, that this has been helpful and useful for you as you work through this issue. Again, um, you can reach out to us and contact us if there's more that you'd like to talk to, you know, talk specifically to us about these things. But, um, Shauna, thank you so much for all your insights and thoughts today. I can see in your eyes, your brain churning through all the different experiences and, and your desire to get the best information out to help because you felt firsthand a hundred times the impact of this and trying to help people work through this and, but there is hope. People can get through this. They can work through it. And it is something that is with them for a long time. And it's something that, that takes time to work through. But it is something that can be worked through. And, and I have watched over and over again that it, they can be stronger because of this. Because of their struggles with this, their ability to relate to anybody who's struggling, not just with pornography, they... it. It increases their empathy, their understanding. So it can literally become a strength to them. And so keeping that in in mind and knowing, too, this is once I'm jumping clear back to the beginning, but I just feel like I need to say this. If you, another sign is if your kid is almost too perfect, right? Mm. Like working really hard to make sure like he's just does everything right. That should be a big red flag for something, right? No kid should have to be perfect, and if they are working overtime to try to be, like, they're just so, I don't know, is there a better way to describe, like, what I'm talking about? Oh, no, yeah, that's, well, they, they all say perfect. So, do you know the last seven clients I've had come in, one of the first things they tell me is they're a perfectionist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty common, that way of thinking. Like, and their parents are almost just like, oh, my gosh, this kid's so incredible. Yeah. And so, and it, it's the perfectionism that drives pornography like crazy. And you know what I've seen parents where parents make that worst is they love that their kid wants to do everything right. So they think in supporting their kid's perfectionism when they get a B plus, they say, hey, what can you do to get an A? Mm-hmm. Don't support perfectionism. It's one of the most unhealthy thinking errors there is. Yeah. And it will destroy your kid. So I know that was more towards the beginning, but that yeah. one was one I see a lot, and so yeah. I just needed to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can find failure is one of the greatest things in the world, and helping a kid learn to celebrate failure and move on is one of the greatest capacities you can give a kid that'll help them be because re- everybody wants their kid to be a capable adult. Well, guess what? A good adult needs to be able to do fail, mm-hmm. and then move on. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, well, thank you for everything today and we look forward to getting with you on our next podcast.